Hello and welcome to Udcast, episode seven, I believe. This is head of school Dan Glass recording live here in the Sound Lab at the Brandeis School of San Francisco. Once again, we are exploring the Souls curriculum here. Uh, I was thinking, hearing that little uh, check the rhyme uh, clip that opens our show uh, from Tribe Called Quest. That um, there's a Oliver Wendell Holmes quote uh, that's going to come up in uh, the Yudcast today that uh, was last mentioned uh, in the uh, word of the week that I wrote uh, back in the early spring or maybe late winter of this year when Fife Dog passed away uh, and uh, was thinking and remembering um, the... uh, the value and importance of a tribe called Quest, uh, such an influential group in my life and I hope in yours. Although if not, that means that you have time to learn and explore uh, the wonders of Fife Dog, Q-Tip, and Ali Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Um, Okay, so as ever, we are beginning today with uh, a poem. I'm going to read a poem from a book that, that uh, I'll talk about here in the Word of the Week. Uh, the book is called No Jerusalem But This. Uh, they are poems by Samuel Menashe, Menashe um, published in the early 1970s uh, by uh, a press called uh, October House. Um, really lovely book, uh, some very interesting poems. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, sort of stretching um, and and what it means to stretch on some level, not so much in the yoga sense, although perhaps in that sense too, Um, and thinking about uh, what it means to kind of uh, uh, work with young people and, and so on, you know, our typical exploration of the soul's curriculum. Uh, But I thought this would be a nice poem to start it off. It's called Promised Land. At the edge of a world beyond my eyes. Beautiful. I know exile is always green with hope. The river we cannot cross flows forever. I thought Promised Land, that poem, would be a nice place to start because it is so... um, it's so aspirational, right? At the edge of a world beyond my eyes, that, that sort of, that just almost glimpsed possibility that's around the corner, uh, certainly the, the sort of uh, being on the mountaintop in the, in the biblical sense. Um, uh, but I, I think I was, I was talking the other day uh, with a colleague about uh, the work of education and the importance of of hope and optimism in the work of education, that it's a, a fundamentally future-facing profession, right? Because we're, we are doing work today with these, with these very young people in the hopes that they will grow to uh, make a meaningful impact on the world around them and hopefully really truly engage in the work of tikkun olam and make the world a better place. 
which I believe, I think a lot of us believe, uh, is fundamentally what it means uh, to be Jewish. Um, so uh, yesterday, this book that I just read from, that's a uh, really nice kind of robin's egg blue color, arrived on my desk right as I was sitting down with the leadership team here at the school for a meeting. And that that is a, a normal thing. The arrival of books into my life is a blissfully frequent event from friends and family who will, you know, send me books or hand me books. Uh, community members here at Brandeis, we are uh, certainly a community of readers and people like to uh, talk about and exchange their latest favorites. Uh, from my children, um, there, there's a, a wealth of uh, children's literature that, that we are all kind of luxuriating in with Sonia uh, at nearly eight, year olds and eight years old and, and Alma just turned five. So, uh, and, and whenever I get a new book, I try and remember to stop and feel grateful for the magic of language, the spell that we cast again and again. <clears throat> Excuse me. On this particular day, this book, No Jerusalem But This, arrived. It's uh, Samuel Menashe's first U.S. collection of poetry. So it sat there on the table while we were having this meeting, like a quiet totem, and I grabbed it and tossed it into my bag before heading home, thinking maybe I would have a moment uh, to engage with it. And uh, sometime late into the night last night, after the dishes were done and the emails were sent and everybody else in my family was sleeping, I opened the book and read a few pages of its spare and elegant poems, including the one I just shared here, uh, Promised Land, and encountered there a spiritual thinker whose new ideas, although they're 50 years old now, uh, I was and remain uh, very excited to, uh, to engage with and get to know. As I was going to sleep, though, I found myself wondering how it was that the book had arrived in my office, not the mechanics of its production and distribution, uh, you can thank Amazon certainly for it uh, arriving to school, although I, as I wrote that sentence, I was thinking about um, a unit I used to teach in eighth grade as a humanities teacher um, on uh, the, um, we used the story of stuff, this 20-minute this web animation, uh, and we also read uh, Nickel and Dimed, um, uh, which is a book about trying to uh, to live on um, various sort of low income wages, and uh, that was big, you know, whatever, fifteen years ago or something. Um, anyway, so I was thinking about the production of and distribution of books, um, but that's not what I was wondering about as I went to sleep last night. Rather, I, I was wondering how it came to be that I'd ordered the book in the first place. Uh, so, you know, waking up this morning, I was searching some of my usual suspects, places like the New York Times or Tablet or Haaretz, uh, not 538, which is my uh, daily obsession during um, this year's bizarre presidential election, um, uh, or probably also didn't come from all the sports blogs that I read during the NBA season. But you know, reading all the, the usual suspects, I didn't turn up the article that would have brought it to my attention. Uh, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe, it's, maybe it was Twitter or maybe it was some Amazon algorithm set in motion by uh, Google searches I've been doing in preparation for a Limud Bay Area workshop that I hope to offer in June on poetry as prayer. 
Um, but the, the fact of my inability to track the provenance of this book speaks to a condition of the mind in our present digital age, that infinite branching of the network, the structure of multitasking and split attention that permeates the consumption of information online. I, I visit so many different sites and jump from article to article and snippet of idea to snippet of idea that I can't even track down where uh, I came across uh, this book. Um, over the weekend, I was reading uh, a, a New York Times article that was from April, but sort of had popped back, probably also via some strange algorithm onto their front page uh, about monotasking, um, which is just what it sounds like. It's doing one thing at a time. Um, and I was laughing as I read it because, of course, in the in the top right corner as I'm reading it, I think I was reading it on Sunday, uh, is a button that says try the crossword, of course, doing its best uh, to keep me from monotasking as I am reading about monotasking. But uh, in that article, there's a fascinating tidbit um, that uh, just having a phone on a table uh, is distracting enough to reduce empathy between two people. Um, and that makes sense because Collectively, U.S. Americans check their phones 8 billion times a day, 8 billion with a B times a day, or about 46 times a day each. So each of us is checking our phones about 46 times a day. And I, uh, as I wrote that, I couldn't decide if that feels like uh, a lot or not, not, uh, not as much as I actually do check my phone. Um, and uh, another really interesting fact that I found in doing some research is that a quarter of people age 18 to 24 check their phones immediately upon waking with the network as this kind of dawn, the blue glow of our uh, new mode ani, our gratitude uh, for reaching the morning. Our minds in this uh, digital space flit from thing to thing, like the small birds Twitter's logo imagines, from branch to branch to branch. Let me say, I don't say any of this or think any of this from the perspective of a Luddite. I'm grateful for and entirely in awe of the new thinking that gets beamed into my living room, allowing me to sit and write these things and research and ask questions uh, and find answers as I'm writing. And actually... Uh, I've said in other contexts that, um, you know, the dissertation that I wrote that was ostensibly about language poetry, this group of poets from the 70s and 80s that were sort of avant-garde poets and, and the genesis of rap music, um, it's a, entirely a dissertation that uh, is informed by the networked logic of Wikipedia. And there's a, there's a whole chapter in there where I go off on this huge tangent about uh, Basquiat, the painter, and about um, the people that show up in a Grandmaster Flash video and uh, Blondie uh, and uh, sort of all these different pieces, maps of Brooklyn. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. And, it, and it's really like a... Uh, uh, a, a chapter uh, narrative of uh, kind of the the kind of rabbit holes that we can fall into uh, 
on the internet, which which I love. And so I, I love having that kind of information at my disposal. And I think there is truly a magic to it. But but I also wonder, what does it mean for attention, and especially for the attention of our children? And, and also, as I am wondering about attention, I find myself wondering about intentions and what kinds of kavod or intentions we should set as we go about the daily joy and challenge of raising and educating our kids. Uh, and so, of course, as I do, I... I turned to uh, etymologies uh, to help me learn a little bit about this. And I was curious to find that the root of both attend and intend is the Latin tendere, which means to stretch, uh, a meaning that we still hear in the word distend, uh, like a distended belly, Um, which took me then uh, to the famous Oliver Wendell Holmes quote that I mentioned earlier, uh, that I cited in these uh, in the word of the week uh, around Fife Dog's death, that one's mind, once stretched by a new idea, never regains its original dimensions. I think of the fasts, the meditations, the stretches of contemplation and intentions of the days of awe we have just passed. And it's somewhere in there, I think, somewhere in the movement between slowing down and taking a breath and also speeding up and engaging with all this information. Uh, Somewhere in the work we do around mindfulness in kindergarten or sacred space in first grade, as much as in the digital passports that our kids are working toward in fifth grade. We stretch ourselves and our children to stop and focus, to narrow the lens, And we also stretch to cast our minds across the majesty of the rhizomatic net. Our dimensions, inner and outer, grow from the encounters and from the efforts and are balanced in the dialogue between them. And so with that, I'm wishing you all stretchy weekends, my friends. Uh, I mentioned in the Yudcast last week uh, that we would be attending the uh, Sukkot Festival and uh, grand opening of the new urban, urban Adama space uh, in Berkeley. I actually think I said last week that we'd be going to it uh, this past weekend, but I have my dates wrong. It is this Sunday. So uh, I hope to see some of you there. I hope you all have a wonderful Shabbat for those of you listening on yeah. Shabbat. Uh, and we will look forward to uh, having you share this space and time with us again next week.